Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com, and I'm so thankful for another opportunity to have a Bible conversation, this time with Brother Brian Osborne from way out west in California. Now, Brian and I have been talking off and on for several months about improving a worship experience, and what we mean by that, let me go ahead and qualify it, is not the change of, of what we do in worship, but really just about the mindset and what's going on in the heart of a person who wants to desperately worship God in spirit and in truth. So this conversation is focused more on the intangibles of what's going on in the mind, and I really encourage you to pay attention. I think it's a great conversation. Let's jump into it, shall we? What I like to do is uh, when people come on to the program is have them introduce themselves, where they live, what they do, because there may be people who don't know you. So who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Brian Osborne. I live um, close to Oakdale, California, worship in Oakdale, California. Wonderful, wonderful place to worship. Love the people there. Um, love our family there. And um, I'm just I'm just a regular IT guy for just a trade. And um, just in my spare time, helping the congregation and uh, doing, you know, stuff with the family. Just normal guy, I guess. Um, raised, I've been raised on the West Coast all, all my life. Lived in California most of my life. Grew up in Bakersfield. Worshipped at the Plans Road Congregation down there. And uh, moved up to the Central Valley here in California, where uh, I was drawn to my wife, Melissa, and been here since. And uh, But... Um, but um, just love doing what I do for the congregation. Um, I'm actively involved with uh, kind of uh, songs and uh, singing um, within the congregation. And uh, we put together our own, our own little songbook and uh, we love singing it uh, from it. And, uh, and that kind of, we're going to maybe talk about that a little bit more as we have our discussion here, but uh Sure. Just thrilled to be on here and uh, thrilled to have this discussion with you. Well, you said that that uh, part time or you know as a as a personal talent, you enjoy um, music and you help out with music in the church. I've seen several several songs. I think I've seen several songs where you're an arranger, right? Like you take songs that maybe uh, aren't meant for four part harmony, or that maybe they. Uh, it was for an arrangement that was very challenging, and so you make it easier or helpful for a congregation to sing them. Is that right? That is correct. That's really the only arranging that I'll do is just take take a, a piece of music and make it just really singable for the congregation. I mean, you don't want confusion in a congregation. You you just want to make things as simple as possible. And that's what I'll do when I take a piece of music and arrange it in a way where it's easier to read on a piece of paper. It flows better on the piece of paper and uh, also easier for the congregation to sing. Do you have any training in this or was it just a, a knack that you picked up? It's just kind of a knack that I picked up. I've got no official like music theory um, 
studies or anything like that. It just, um, singing has always been a part of my life. And, mm. uh, uh, with our family, uh, we just, we, we've sang and, uh, I just love doing that. It's one of my favorite hobbies. I've been blessed to be in, uh, a couple quartets and, uh, singing as a family and doing a few recordings. And it's just, uh, it's a wonderful thing that I'm blessed to be able to do. You and I sang together with a big group of folks at Oklahoma City last summer. Uh, our listeners, some of them are going to be familiar with Vocal Ascend and some of them won't be. This is kind of the genesis of our conversation. So would you just take a minute and explain what Vocal Ascend is and, and what happened last summer? Uh, Vocal Ascend is uh, just a group of um, brothers and sisters in Christ coming together and re uh, recording songs that have been written by brothers and sisters in Christ. And we spent two days doing that, and it was an absolute wonderful experience. Um, we, you and I, we, we both agree it's just pouring, just pouring yourself out in, in worship, so to speak, as singing these songs and uh, praises and, um, um, just the emotion that came from that. I mean, we were, we were all spent at the end yeah. of those two days, right. but yet we were so filled and refreshed, um, spiritually speaking, but just by being with one another, seeing with one another, um, it was something that's, um, I will always cherish and I'm looking forward, Lord willing, when we do it again this summer for album number two. Right. It, it really was, um, a, a, such a unique experience. And it was one of those experiences where as it was happening in the moment, I, I knew it was going to be special. And so it, it's one of those rare opportunities where you, you kind of get to live in the moment as, one of those, uh, you know, core memories is developing in your mind. But like, like you've mentioned, uh, singing there really led to a conversation about the worship experience. And that's why I challenged you. Um, was it at the New Year's meeting? I don't remember exactly when it was. But it was the meeting in Bakersfield in, in November. Okay. Okay, so we, we saw each other after the Vocal Ascend recording, and we'd had this conversation. I feel like if we hadn't had it every time we've seen each other, we've had it more than once, but we're just talking about worship experience. So I challenged you to come on my podcast and talk about the worship experience. And, um, you know, as you get started in this, this study, I think... Uh, you know, for, for the listener out there who's wondering, well, why, why should we be talking about this? If, as long as we're doing the five items of worship, um, you know, then we're, we're good. And yet you and I are, are trying to have this conversation about something that is uh, maybe beyond what we're doing, but it's, it's how we're doing it, the experience of it. And that might make people feel uncomfortable. So how about this? This isn't a, a question in the notes or anything, but what would you say to someone as we start this conversation who, when they hear that title, worship experience, they might think, well, that's just 
subjective and fluffy and uh, we don't need to worry about this kind of stuff. What, what sort of encouragement would you give them to take pause and listen to the conversation? Well, our worship, um, it's a very personal thing with us. Yet, when you come together as a congregation, as, as an assembly, you join other people in that experience, and you have this sense of togetherness. And when people join together, when you bring your personal worship experience and other people bring their personal worship experience to the same worship, to the same place, something, um, something great happens. It really does. And there's, there's kind of a bigger picture to all this, not just it's my personal experience of what happens. There's something bigger that really happens overall. And um, I do want to say this on top of that. From the vocalist send, after, after those two days of singing those praises and doing it with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and the feeling that I felt and the feeling that you felt as well. I, I told myself, I said, I am bringing this home with me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to bring this to every single worship that I attend Yeah, because I want this same type of experience that I had just experienced every single time. How did that go? How did it go trying to put lightning in a bottle? Well, it's, it, for me, it, I keep, I keep having to remind myself, um, why am I here as far as coming to worship and, and bringing that excitement with songs that, that we sing and, and, um, just in the prayers, not just in the songs, but the prayers that being engaged uh, in the word during the teaching and bringing that even to the Lord's, observing the Lord's Supper as well, um, just maintaining that throughout the whole service. And so there are times where I had to remind myself um, and recall back to how I felt last summer during that experience and what can I do to to experience that again. Right, right. Well, you begin um, the way that you structure your outline with Psalm chapter 122, verse 1, and then you ask a question. So why don't you read that for us and then kind of get our audience in the the mindset of, of worship experience? So the Psalm 122 and verse 1 It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And that's something. I mean, that means a great deal because not all the time we are, we are excited or we are glad. Um, And I don't know why that is. It could be, you know, just simple routine. This is what we do every Sunday morning. um, Or this is what we do every midweek uh, worship, but what, what are we thinking up until that point when before we actually go to worship? Are, are we really glad to go? Yeah. Are, 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 we, are we excited 
to go. Right. And what brings that joy? What brings that excitement? What are you thinking about? Are you are you excited to go to to worship? Are you excited to go because it's been a while since you've seen your your church family or your peers? Right. Um, but there is there should be that sense of joy or that gladness that David speaks of here of going to the house of the Lord. Well, you you, you know the question of of being glad to go to worship. Oh, it's easy for me to feel convicted because of everything that's going on on a Sunday morning. You know, getting kids ready, uh getting myself ready, rushing to get out the door, getting to church. Um trying to greet everybody. I mean, I know not everybody out there's a preacher or um, elder or deacon, you know, some sort of, of ordained servant, but uh, it's easy for me as a preacher to want to shake everyone's hand and, and hug them. I got to get ready for the sermon. Um, I'm thinking about the sermon, you know, I'm getting prepped for preaching. And so, you know, one of the, the, the words that I think of with how do you feel about worship, sometimes I feel exhausted or burdened. And yeah, I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on how I can uh, prepare myself to feel that joy and that anticipation whenever life seems to be about either I'm going 90 miles an hour to get there, or maybe I'm just so tired by the time I get there that I feel indifferent. One thing that I do to prepare myself is um, like Sunday mornings when I'm getting ready, I'm listening to spiritual music. I'm listening to church songs um, um, and while I'm getting ready, even while riding in the car to church. I'm playing church music. I, I'm getting myself mentally ready. Is like, this is what we're about to do. Right. And, and that's what, and, and it's funny, my, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't say this, but... Um, but my son Cohen, he'll he he's blasting the same music in his room, and <laughs> here I am blasting it in our room, and Cohen's blasting it in his room, and <laughs> nice. And so we got dueling dueling speakers going on with with uh, you know gospel spiritual music in the house, and um, it's a wonderful thing. It's neat seeing your children kind of do that. Not not everyone does that. That's not that's not everyone's routine you know sure. um but as far as prepping yourself that that's one thing you could do as you could do that as a family just turn on um turn on an album and um stream an album that you know that everyone enjoys listening to and you could even sing along with one another if if that's what you want to do to help each other or encourage one another um as you're getting ready before you leave uh, your house. Another thing you could do on a personal level is read some scripture. Start your Sunday off with a with a scripture, maybe about worship or about praise or about um, who God is or about thankfulness. You could do that. Um, you could even offer a prayer beforehand, a prayer of thanksgiving or gratitude before you leave, or even when you get there and you're sitting in the pew and. Um, and so it, those are just a few things that I would encourage, uh, to help whoever is listening, 
um, to do. And those things have been helpful for me. Um, one of the things that you have written down is this comparison. I guess it's like a mindset comparison. I have to go to church versus I get to go worship. Going to church versus I get to go worship are two separate things in my mind. And it's a, it's a mindset. And I'll admit there were earlier on in my life, it was, I have to go to church or I'm going to church. Not necessarily I have to go to church, but I'm going to church. And it's just like, it's kind of that routine. It's like, you know, every Sunday we're, we're there at, uh, at the church building. We're there for services. Um, it was even, you know, the routine for our family to be there on Wednesday nights as well. And so we were, we were faithful to our, to the attendance and just going to church. But the older I got, I realized there was more to it than just that, just, just going to church or going to the church building. And it morphed into more of going to worship and, and understanding the purpose of you going, you are going to worship it. You're not going to church. You're not going to a church service. You are going to worship. And now that places an individual responsibility on me, but yet a great blessing upon me Mm. to be involved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have an active part in worship. I might not be there leading or having a leadership role during worship. I could just be sitting there in my pew during worship, but I am still worshiping. And um, there's a, I believe there's a major difference between the two. And when you do that, you get so much more out of the worship when you're, when you approach it with that type of uh, mentality. Oh, I agree. Absolutely agree. I had somebody tell me uh, here locally one time that worship really is like dessert. And some people's mindset that they they have to go to church mindset uh, turns worship into like this is what we do spiritually and then everything else is kind of, you know, not very spiritual in nature. But the I get to go worship mindset is I have been serving and living and it's been maybe it's been a tough week. Uh, maybe I've had a hard time shining the light or, you know, scattering seed or whatever. But worship is a time where I get to go plug in and recharge. And it's like, you know, this this luxurious dessert uh, after the meat and potatoes of what you're doing all week long spiritually. You ever heard something like that? Yes, absolutely. Um people or congregations that, you know, congregations, even that hold, uh, you know, we call them gospel meetings or revival meetings. You feel that way at the end of the meeting because, because of just the, the, the excitement, the worship that has happened, the, the fellowship um, at the end of, you know, X amount of days um, that you've, that you've gone and just, you could just experience that just after one service, um, and yeah. it is, it is refreshing. In fact, I highly, I, I really, really enjoy our midweek worship. The reason mm-hmm. why for me, it's a reset button. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a way just to get away and be refilled. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just kind of gets you going. I agree. 
totally agree. And uh, I, I, we got to get on in your notes, but just on that idea of midweek worship, for the better part of a year and a half, maybe closer to two years, I was not able to go to the midweek service because I had a internship for this therapy program that I did. And I saw clients on Wednesday nights till eight o'clock and I'd jump in my car and I'd try to get there and I'd always get to the building as the final amen had happened. But every now and then I'd get there for a closing song and it was like just this brief taste of it. But I, as soon as the internship was done and I was able to get that back in my life, man, it's such a blessing uh, to have where in the middle of the week you can, like you said, have a reset button instead of it being from Sunday to Sunday that you're going without that. It's wonderful. It absolutely is. Well, you've got a um, another Psalm, Psalm 95, and uh, it looks like you're going to kind of break down the Psalm uh, and how it, it helps us understand our worship experience. Is, is that where we're going with this? Yes. Um, yeah, here in, here in Psalm 95, it's, I kind of broke it up into two different, um, two different sections in just regarding worship alone. And, um, okay. we see, we see David's experience of worship and what he wrote about regarding it. And I think we could, we should, we could mimic the same type of response that David has when it comes to worshiping the Lord. Okay. Well, what are these two ways or two, you know, breakdowns from this psalm? What, what should we be looking for as we read through this? Well, one thing is um, looking at what the individual could do, what actions you could do, what, what mentality you can have as you approach worship. Okay. And then the second thing is the reasons why you should approach worship like, like this. What are, you know, when focusing on God, what, what is it about him? Well, let me read it. And then how do, why don't you kind of guide us through it? So ways of worship being the first kind of perspective of looking at this. And then the second one being reasons of worship. So um, Psalm 95 verse one says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him or before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalm. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The height of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So within this, I don't know about you, but as David writes this, there's for me nothing but like excitement. That excites me because like what what's so exciting about worship? What how can I mimic this? And so one thing he says in verse one is let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. So he mentions shout. It's not like we're just shouting, shouting out, but it's more of a um just kind of in my mind, just singing loud uh, uh, for the Lord, shouting, uh, shouting this praise unto yeah. the Lord. Right. And he says, don't, don't just do it, but, but do it joyfully. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's another key element. 
to be able to sing songs joyfully. Now, I understand that not all songs we sing are, are joyful. Um, there are some songs that are, you know, some sad songs that, that we sing in worship. There are some songs that, you know, bring us to the cross. Those aren't necessarily joyful songs to sing. They're still great, but this, this, this idea and this feeling of excitement as we come and approach God and worship. Excitement's not in, in the, there directly, you know, like I don't literally see the word excitement, but I do see an exclamation point and, uh, oh, come let us sing to the Lord exclamation point. In English, that should be telling me that, that something exhilarating is happening. You know, it's almost like electricity. Uh, you, you do make a note, though, about singing with psalms. In verse 2, it says, uh, let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Uh, what's, is there something there that I should be thinking about? Well, it's, to me, it's, um, he's referring to just like a song that we sing in our praise, shout joyfully to, to the Lord with psalms. It just, it could be a psalm, for example, like um, Ephesians 5, 19, where Paul is telling us, speaking to one another. And he says, you do that in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, mm-hmm. and then singing and mm-hmm. making melody in your heart mm-hmm. to the Lord. Okay. And okay. so, and so from that, um, it's just a it's just a spiritual song. It's it's a song. I don't know if, if there's been debate whether a psalm, hymn, and a spiritual song, if that's like just kind of different genres of of something that we sing that brings our mind to spiritual things. Right. Um, but whatever we're singing, we're singing spiritual things. And we're singing it to the Lord is what we're doing. Right. Right. And in this scripture, so we're talking about ways that we worship. And uh, yeah, we've, we're, we're, David says we shout, be joyful, we're singing with psalms. You also make mention of uh, kind of a posture. Uh, what do you see in this psalm about the worshiper doing with their body? Well, David says, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, Previous to that, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Um, people could kneel while they worship or people could bow down while they worship. Um, we don't traditionally do that. However, it is, a, it is an act of reverence. Yeah. Because we, are, we, we approach the Almighty. And so... There is a sense of reverence that we and awe that we should have for number one, just realizing God is there in our presence Mm -hmm. and he's blessing us with his presence. And we have that reverence to him um, in whatever form that we worship, according to the scriptures. Right. Right. Well, that was that was um, the ways of worship in Psalm 95. But you break it down into re- the two categories, ways of worship and reasons. So according to Psalm 95, what are the reasons that we should worship God? So it's all directed toward God. And so David mentioned several things about God. The Lord is the great God. And he also mentions that the Lord is the king 
above all gods. And so he's, he's it, he's the one. And, um, it's, it all, David also talks about another reason why we worship God is because he's in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, sometimes we don't realize that because we don't, um, we, it's, it's an act of faith. Well, we read God's track record throughout the scriptures and we've seen how he's been in control in this situation and, and in that situation and how he's helped and, and this and that and how he's a just God. And so we understand from scriptures and then we act as faith that he is still in control today. That is the same God today as we read about in the scriptures about him being in control. I'm thinking of a song called Blessed Be Your Name. Are you familiar with that one? I am. And man, it's a beatdown as far as it's three pages and the tenors part is really high and the bass part's really low. And so it kind of stretches the range of the audience. And as we get ready to sing, uh, I always think, oh man, I don't know if, I, if I'm gonna be able to make it through. But usually by the end of it, that very thought that you just had about God is in control. I feel like as a group, we've reminded each other that he's in control. Uh, One of the lines in the chorus is, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, which is from the book of Job. And there's something really special about the group teaching each other in song, edifying each other, encouraging each other. And so we've got the ways that we worship, but the reason behind our singing is as a group, it's like we're in this group refresh, or I don't really know how to describe it, but like it, it couldn't, I couldn't have just looked at the words and done what we did. We had to sing it. And suddenly I had this greater appreciation that God is in control. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's, it's like a, a group um, confirmation and uh, exhorting one another um, as you sing together. And it's, you know, singing does something that that's very unique. Singing brings people together in unity. And so when you're singing those phrases together and singing it with one another and reconfirming that message over and over in that specific song, it's that's a special thing. And that's a reaffirming thing. When I go abroad, there's something about singing with people who I don't have anything in common with that that unites us. So kind of like you just said, there's a, a unity in song. But I've got to sing. I remember specifically I sang Faith of Our Fathers uh, with people who sang in Burmese. I was in Myanmar one time. And I didn't know any Burmese, so I sang in English, and they sang in Burmese. But, uh, you know, the chorus, faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Um, It was so unifying, even though there was a lot of things that we didn't have in common. Um, I guess I'm just trying to validate what you said. It really is like a unification opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there's there's several songs that come to my mind that that do just that. Um, even if a person were to just travel 
and attend the congregation where you know absolutely no one in the congregation, but yet you're unified with each member of that congregation as you're singing the same message. Right. And um, right. That there, there's something special about that. There is. I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing in Psalm one or Psalm chapter 100, verse 1 through 5, you're going to kind of do the same thing. You're going to take a psalm and you're going to divide it into ways to worship and then reasons to worship. Do you mind uh, reading us that psalm and then kind of taking us through your thoughts on ways to worship and reasons to worship? Sure. So the 100th psalm says in verse 1, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And so David here, it's kind of redundant, but, but I think redundant is a good thing because it emphasizes um, principles and teachings. Because David says again to, to sing joyfully, be glad. You have also this, this shout to the Lord again. And um, there's one thing that he says here that he also said that we didn't mention in the 95th Psalm. But I think it's very important. And that is approach the Lord with thankfulness. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think that's huge because if you do not come to worship with the sense of thankfulness, uh, what I think, I think you rob yourself of your worship experience. Right. Because being thankful compels you to worship and give your all unto worship and be even more glad because you are thankful. What do you think the opposite of thankfulness is? If, if, if the psalm is saying approach the Lord with thankfulness uh, and there's maybe some, some you know, charge or, or, or edification to remind the people to be thankful, what's the opposite of that? I would say just um, just indifference, um, taking uh, or just taking for granted what we really have, uh, and really not really focusing on the blessings that we really have in the Lord. Right. Well, you said it accurate, accurately earlier when you said there's some redundancy between these Psalms. I feel like, I feel like when I read multiple Psalms, maybe I'm going through the old Testament. Um, a lot of times they are kind of saying the same thing, but I like your point that redundancy is good. It's, it's intended to show that there's a pattern here. What pattern should we see in, in all of the reasons for worship in this Psalm as compared to the previous one? Well, um, as David says, God is the object of our praise. And it's, it's because, as David says here, that the Lord is God alone. Again, he created us. And we are his people. 
And that's that's an interesting thing just to think about that God would even want us. Right. Right. And that's that's quite sobering because we don't deserve that. Mm. We don't deserve his mercy. We don't deserve his goodness. But he chose to be good to us. And he says, I want you in my kingdom. I want to be your father. I want to be good to you. I want to be merciful to you. Yeah. Well, it. I, I feel like Bible writers try to encapsulate that being God's people. I don't know if we want to call it an enigma, but there's just a sense of awe. I think about 1 John 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. that He would call us children of God. And yeah, I think for all time people are, people of faith are kind of in this awe about getting to be called a child of God when, you know, it's, it's the last thing we deserve. So is is that kind of the thankfulness in this is that I'm thankful to be a child, even though I know I, I, I shouldn't get to be one. Yeah, that, that is part of it. Yes. When we don't deserve to be saved, be thankful that God saved us. Even when we were, even when we were in sin, I mean, even Romans 5 talks about that and really brings it close to home for all of us. Beginning of verse 6, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's talking about me. That's talking about you. Right. And so he continues on saying, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. And so he puts that into perspective. I mean, who would you die for? Mm. Right. The, the person would have to be pretty good for us to lay down our life for. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But then he goes on to say, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. When we were in a horrible state, Christ laid down his life for us. And so with that understanding, he continues on and says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And that's a big thing because no, none of us want to face the wrath of God. Right. And we've been saved from that. And so he goes on to talks about um, in verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we should be saved by his life. And not only that, but Paul says we do something because of understanding when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. He says we also rejoice mm. in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Yeah. And, and so this is following the pattern that you've brought out in those Psalms about thankfulness towards God, thankfulness for what God's done, the kind of the the reason behind the worship as well. So even here in Romans 5, I really like how you've brought this this into it. We had a couple of psalms that had a similar pattern, but here in this very deep theological section of Romans, it's a similar conclusion about uh, worship and reasons behind the worship as far as thankfulness and rejoicing in what God has done. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just those little words. I mean, one could just read right past that about rejoicing in God, but there's something to that. I mean, Paul rejoiced from the understanding that God saved him. 
and we can rejoice in the same way. And understanding that, that brings really for us to be so thankful toward him. You bring that to worship. Mm. And when you bring that to worship, your worship is going to be joyful. Right. You can rejoice and be thankful in your worship. It's, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful kind of side effect, if you will. Now, let me ask you this, um, and then we're going to get into the part of the study that I'm, I'm most excited about. Oh, it's going to be a cliffhanger. That's right. The part of the study that I'm most excited about is what we're going to talk about in the next episode. And so you got to come back if you want to listen and understand and appreciate a improved worship experience. So come back as Brian and I continue to talk about this. And I'll go ahead and say it because I say it every time. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform and leave a five-star review. Let us know that you love it because that helps with the analytics. I want you to remember... God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, we'll see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.